created live on Fireside. Hello, everyone. Welcome to YNS Live with NFL Thread and our guest, Rebecca Sharp. We are so excited to have you guys here live on Fireside. I'm going to have Cynthia introduce Rebecca, and then I'm going to take you guys through a little bit of housekeeping, how you can be sharing the show. And if you're joining us from LinkedIn, if you're joining us from Twitch or YouTube, welcome, welcome. There might be a chance that some of you are on Facebook. We have to see if that that is working. Facebook has given us some, some hard times right now. But welcome, welcome everyone to YNS Live with NFL Thread. And um, I'm your host, co-host, Juliette Hahn with Cynthia Zordich. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. I'm so personally excited to have Rebecca on the show today. Rebecca is the daughter of my friends and my husband's former teammate, Louis Sharp, all pro, fantastic person, and Kathy Sharp, I had so much fun with Kathy in Arizona and Rebecca is amazing and her journey is incredible. And more and more, I just love the idea of diving into these lives of these NFL children. And Rebecca shares that passion. And I believe she's going to do something about that. But, you know, Rebecca is an author. She's a host. She co-hosts a show with her dad. Um, she is an ambassador and and also a businesswoman. So, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> Cynthia and Juliet, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for the invitation and for the great introduction. I know today is going to be an awesome show. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. So a little housekeeping really quickly, and I can't wait to dive into this because there's so much oh, yeah. um, that you are doing, which is exciting. So everyone that's in the show right now, the two little lines at the bottom to your left, if you guys can click on those and you'll see where it says share with followers and broadcast to the world. If you can broadcast to the world where you're um, you're sending this out so people can actually come and listen to the show without being in the show, which was, this is why I love Fireside so much. As I said, I'm broadcasting right now from LinkedIn, YouTube. We're live on those channels. Hello. I see people jumping in there. We are on Twitch and you can also be outside of the app. So you can be sending it to, to Facebook. If you're in the show right now, you can be sending it to Facebook. You can be emailing, you can be texting, you can be sending it to Twitter, to all the different places you can be broadcasting to the world, which is really, really fun. So if you guys can do that, as we're starting the show, that would be great. And then we're going to really get into, really get into Rebecca's story, which I am so excited about because it is <laughs> she takes such an drink. exciting one. Water. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, let me make sure. <laughs> Wet my whistle there, right? Because we've got a lot. <laughs> yes. A- so Absolutely. Exactly. So how we always start a little bit um, is just give us a little background about who you were, you know, who you were, who you are, where <laughs> you were born, if you went to university, and then we're going to get into the meat of the, the story. Right. Okay. I, want, I definitely so want to start with dive into your childhood, though, babe. Don't like yes. rush through that because we are going to get to university. But I really would like for you to really talk about growing up in the game and that your early years in Arizona. Okay, wonderful. Well, again, thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited uh, to be on to share. And I see some of our viewers on, including my dad. So dad, thanks for hopping on and being here with us yes. live and in living color. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, I, 
Yes, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, to a very privileged and loving family. My father, Cynthia, uh, mentioned, well, he and my mother met at UCLA, uh, and then he went on to become a first-round draft pick in the 1988 draft. He enjoyed a very decorated career that included three Pro Bowl appearances. He had a strong presence in the Phoenix area, speaking engagements, leadership positions in the NFLPA. He just truly had a command of both his craft and the community. Um, I always like to tell people that, you know, we had it all externally, a beautiful home, successful careers, exquisite family vacations. We were involved in every single after, after school activity that you could imagine. Uh, so just very abundantly blessed. And I, I'm grateful for the great memories that we do have uh, within our childhood ever. Um, after my dad suffered a career-ending knee injury, things really begin to shift. And that was sort of the beginning of the American dream that my dad had been uh, so blessed and fortunate to create. It started to unravel. And uh, he struggled with substance abuse, and that caused a lot of dysfunction within our familial fold. And it was also a very public downward spiral, some of the things that uh, are etched in my memory banks. A local scribe for the Arizona Republic one time ran a story with the headline, football hero turns to crackhead zero. Uh, so those were the types of narratives that were, yeah, really prevailing at the time. And so you can imagine uh, that it made for a lot of difficulties and challenges while we were at school and kids being kids, you know, repeating the things that they heard their parents say. And suddenly they were not able to come over to our home and we couldn't go to their home. And there were jokes that were being made and questions, very inappropriate questions that were being asked about some of the things that were happening uh, within our household. And we just be we began to be ostracized. And suddenly, you know, we had all of these friends and everybody that loved to uh, enjoy and the successes that we once held. But then as things really began to fall apart, uh, our circle got smaller and smaller and smaller. And that was really hard to deal with as a child, especially experiencing like both ends of the spectrum in such a short amount of time, at least that I can remember. Uh, so I actually ended up transitioning to Michigan when I was 15 years old, my grandparents and aunt, who are actually my dad's parents and his sister, uh, had always been very close with them. They spent a lot of time in Phoenix. In fact, they would come very often to check on him and to try to, you know, save him as well as to just be supportive to us. And so we had a very strong relationships and we went to Michigan for a summer. And I was like, I just, I don't think I can go back. You know, it had gotten so bad and mm -hmm. things were just so public and I just started high school and I, I needed a fresh start. I needed to kind of have some anonymity, right? And just begin to like rebuild my life because I was, I was feeling so broken from the inside out. So I decided to stay in Michigan uh, with them, which is its own journey in itself, but it definitely proved to be a safe haven and a refuge. Uh, and I'm just so incredibly blessed and grateful for the fact that they stepped up uh, for me and my siblings in a time when we needed it the most. Uh, but unfortunately, 
a couple years after moving to Michigan um, and actually starting to attend the University of Michigan, uh, the summer of my freshman year is when life really everything changed. And that's when we lost my older sister and guardian angel, Leah. Uh, she was murdered and she was only 23 years old. And I just remember at that time feeling like I was never going to laugh again. I wasn't going to be able to continue on with life. I was ready to leave school. Um, you know, again, that public spectacle piece really started to take shape again because my dad uh, was was using drugs at the time. And, you know, there were it was just a lot of media presence and reporters and some of the uh, um, stories that were published at the time were just very hurtful and completely lacked any sort of human decency and just sort of exploited the very worst parts of our lives. You know, we're humans, right? <laughs> but right. we didn't, I didn't feel like we were always treated as such. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about, you know, my background and some of the, the major things that occurred to me as I was growing up. Um, and, you know, what sort of set the foundation as to the woman that you see before you today. And I think, you know, it was so important is that stories connect us. We talk about this all the time and not everyone knows how to share their story and you do it so beautifully and so raw. And so I want to say thank you so much for sharing that because you picture, you, you can see yourself as a child, you know, with your, your father at this, at this level where, you know, he is, 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 is great. And then he gets an injury. And how many times have we heard this story of someone getting injury and then getting addicted to drugs, but people don't follow through on, you know, the, the good stuff afterwards. And that's why I think it's so important that you guys share your story because there is, you can be down and down and down. But if you have the family love and the support and the tenacity to get back up and keep getting back up and not letting life, you know, throw you down, throw you down, you get back up and you're like, you know what? I want to share my story because I know it's going to help someone. And that's what you and your dad are doing. Um, you know, especially with with your podcast and your books and all of that. But I think it's really important. And I, I would like to ask, you know, when you painted the picture of yourself as a, as a child and watching your dad go through this and then having it in the headlines, what I know you said in, in high school, you know, when you went to Michigan, but how old were you? Was it like a middle school age that this was happening and unfolding? Am I correct with that? Yeah. So, and thank you for the compliments. I really do appreciate it because it is not easy. And I know we'll get a chance to talk about that a little bit later, but I've had to do a lot of work on myself, right. In order to be able to harness the things that have happened to me and use them to serve the greater good of humanity. But I, I do appreciate and I'm grateful that I can be the embodiment of what is possible. Right. And I can mm -hmm. help show people and kind of illuminate the way of turning your pain into your power. Um, but yes, I was, so it was unfolding pretty much most of my uh, elementary and middle school, <laughs> high school years. I mean, he struggled with addiction for 20 years. Um, so the bulk of my, my childhood, there was, there was something going on, whether he was out in the streets using drugs, you know, being shot, in jail, prison. I mean, I spent part of my childhood, which is just fascinating when you think about it. Like there was a part of my childhood where I was on these football fields and I'm cheering with the Arizona Cardinals and I'm going through the tunnel with my dad and I'm seeing people like chant his name and all of these amazing experiences that only a small percentage of people get the opportunity to actually live mm -hmm. out. But then years later, I'm visiting my dad in, in prison. 
you know, and he's dressed in this prison garb and he's sending me, I mean, they were beautiful gifts, but gifts that, you know, artists in, in the prisons would create and we're writing letters to one another and I'm, you know, receiving his collect calls. So just the complete um, spectrum that we, that I went through with my father in itself mm-hmm. is something that I've really had to grapple through, you know, and find peace within. But I know there's a reason that I was able to experience both sides of life, because I think it allows me to connect with people from both, you know, the highest of the highs, but also the lowest of the lows, because I have been through both. You've been through both. And not only have you been through both, but then you also had to navigate it yourself. You had to navigate it with your family. You had to, um, you know, go through those ups and downs privately and out in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You you were in the public spotlight and people don't, again, this is why I love having these shows because people don't mm-hmm. think about that. Like if you really think about that, a child yeah. having to go through this, but also mourning the loss of their father, right? You know, the father that, that was mm-hmm. there, mourning the loss of going through the tunnel and, and being able to, you know, get out. So did you have help within the family? I mean, did you guys talk about it and, and, and that kind of stuff? Sorry, go ahead, Cynthia. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, um, definitely want to dive into something that is really important to me along those lines. Um, you know, I always try to say to NFL families and especially NFL parents, um, or, even collegiate parents, parents of athletes, that is your your son and not a prospect. It isn't a player. And what I think, what I'm understanding and feeling is that Luis's family saw him as a son and a brother, and they never saw him as a player. And so therefore they were able to recognize that he had a problem. It is something that had nothing to do with anything other than a crisis and they saw it for what it was and they tried to heal and tried to help and taking you guys in and creating this home for you of love. I want you to kind of dive into that and tell us because we can all learn so much from a family like Luis's that, that brought in and didn't judge and didn't push away, but brought you guys in. Yeah, and I think what the real underpinning of that is we are Cuban. So I mentioned like, you know, my dad experienced the American dream, but really he did. I mean, he came to this country when he was only six years old. They lived in the southwestern part of Detroit uh, and they faced a lot of adversity even growing up because they were different. They didn't speak the language. They didn't have a lot of resources at the time and people just didn't understand how to accept differences back in the late 60s and early 70s. And so they created their own like, subset or subculture, if you will. So family and legacy and unity and belonging are just such critical components of my Cuban heritage, which is why I'm so grateful and proud to be Cuban and thankful that I got an opportunity to relocate and live with my grandparents and really be immersed in just um, this ecosystem of love and of joy and of forgiveness and of like going to bat for one another, regardless of what you've done. I still love you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to show up for you and I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that you have what it is that you need to succeed. I mean, I even think about my grandfather. Uh, he came here and worked in the plant for Ford Motor Company 
me for, you know, 30 years as a striper. And now here I am, second generation, working at the world headquarters of Ford Motor Company and really continuing his legacy. But they came here with the mindset of we're going to work hard. We're going to help one another. Our kids and our grandchildren are going to know we love them. We care about them. And there is nothing in the world that they could do that would separate them from that love. Uh, and they can, they had that mindset. And it was so evident because, you know, my grandparents are in their 60s and supposed to be enjoying retirement. And instead, they were helping to raise us. You know, they were flying across country to see about their son. Um, and no matter what my dad did, I just always remember the, the, the grace that they operated within and how they would always just make space for him to come back and to know that he had a home and that it didn't matter if he was making Pro Bowls or if he was, you know, with prostitutes on the streets, like they loved him. And they wanted the best for him and for us. And I, I know that that has just been so essential. And again, me becoming the woman that I am today, I did not get here alone. I am the sum of many parts. And, that, and that's beautiful. And that's what I was getting at is that you had the support within your family and you had yeah. the love of, and mm -hmm. Cynthia, it was wonderful how you said that it wasn't, he wasn't just a player. He was a person. And that is mm -hmm. so much lost yeah. at a lot of times people just see him. You know, when Cynthia and I started this show, there was time and time again, when people would talk about, you know, their, their spouse or their dad got traded and, you know, people outside the league, it's like, Oh, I'm so excited. This player just went there. And I said, I will never think of it that way again. I'll think about the people behind the scenes. What is that like for the family and the spouse and the kids? And it's the same for what you went through. It's not, you know, your, your dad is your dad. And he was also the, you know, this hero. And then you having to navigate those waters, but being able to be brought into a family that's loving that you see also, this is my son and I need to see he's hurting, right? We, we can't turn our back on him. He's hurting. Let's help and figure this out. So I think it's so beautiful. And, um, you know, the Cuban culture, I'm familiar with it. My sister lives in, in Miami and she is married to a okay. Cuban man and actually has struggled oh, with substance wow. abuse. Yes. And so, um, my mom took in her nephew. So I, this is like very, very close to my heart and I completely understand from the side as a sibling going through this. And yeah. so the, the family support is so important and there's such the fine line of the family support. So if you can take us yeah. through that as well, because there's times where I'm sure you were angry at your father and you know, you don't, you, and how did you handle that? The anger and the love at the same time and, and, and navigating that as a child. Yeah. So I think for a lot of my childhood, I was angry. I was mad. But as I have grown up, I recognize that a lot of times mad covers sad. And I was really just sad. I was really just disappointed. I was really just dealing with abandonment and with shame and with grief, you know, because I did not have that nuclear family that it seemed like so many other families in our zip code had. Cynthia, you are familiar, right? Living in Awatuki. And it was like uh, a scene from, yeah, I mean, just everybody had a white picket fence and it seemed like things were just perfect, right? And so as things really began to fall apart in our family, I really did feel like we were just, again, this public spectacle and everybody was just sort of watching our demise, coupled with the fact that we were one of the only few African-American families in the neighborhood. So that had its own undertone as well. And so I, I do appreciate the community, though, because there were certain individuals who stepped up how they could, who understood and saw what was happening and tried to help. 
And I always try to give them honor because I can't say that everybody just turned the other cheek. My parents sowed a lot of really good seeds within our community. And there was a harvest on that and people trying to help. But unfortunately, some things just you know, we're seemingly broken beyond repair. And as I have grown up, I realized everybody was going through their own things. They may have done a much better job at sort of concealing it. Right. But as we've all uh, matured, mm-hmm. <laughs> as we've all right. matured and now as adults, you know, we're reconnecting and it's like, oh, wow, you were going through that. And this was transpiring in your home. And you were, you started utilizing these substances because of the trauma of your childhood. And again, I'm like, wow, I'm not alone. Mine was just placed on, um, you know, the for a display for all of the public to see and consume, but there was a lot that was happening behind closed doors. And so, yeah, I've learned to just find healing in community and sharing my story as well, because before I just had so much shame, you know, associated with the things that happened to me. But now I recognize like, no, this adversity is an asset and it is a way that I can connect with other individuals and show them that there is a healing is possible. And so is reconciliation and we are walking in redemption. And so I will share a story that is always, um, you know, just so beautiful to me. So my father Uh, He became close to death on four different occasions. Twice he was shot in the streets of Phoenix. One time he was just a centimeter away uh, from dying. He had to have his mouth wired shut while he was, you know, uh, confined and arrested uh, in handcuffs to a hospital bed. And he's recovering from major surgery, life-saving surgery, right? Um, Another time in 2010, he was actually involved in a race riot in the prison and he was beat over the head with rocks inside of socks. And he was beat unconscious, had to have facial reconstruction surgery. I mean, it was like really, really grave. But the Lord, you know, saved him. Uh, And then in 2018, we get a call and he had a massive heart attack while he was working out. And the doctor said his LAD artery, which is called the Widowmaker in medical communities, was 98% blocked. And at that moment, when I got to St. Anne's Mercy Hospital, I realized, I'm like, you are here for a reason. Like, Mm -hmm. the fact that you have escaped death that we know of four different times, like, there is obviously a Mm -hmm. greater purpose that is attached to your life. And I made a commitment in saying, I want to be a part of really unearthing that and discovering why God has saved your life and what he still wants to use you to do in the earth. And I always say that I really feel like God healed the anatomy of both of our hearts as we were in that ICU unit, because after that is really when the healing began, when the forgiveness started to take root and where we started to discover the greater purpose that we were meant to do together. Oh, so beautiful. I mean, that is just so beautiful. And I I want you speak so eloquently. You also, you're an ordained minister and that comes across. I mean, when I'm I'm sitting there, I feel like I'm I'm in your, in your house, in your church right now, you speaking, but it's so true. When you were saying that, I was like, your dad is here for a reason. God has saved him so many times, right? Put him on this platform where he's able to have the notoriety, where he can see that fame and then brought him down to this low, um, you know, to be, you have to learn in this too. And then the healing 
thing that you guys did as a family is just, it's remarkable. And so again, stories connect us. And so many people are connecting to you and your dad and your family's story because of what you guys are doing and getting it out there that, you know, you can be a drug addict, you can be in prison, but that doesn't mean that that is the end of your life. You have the time to rewrite your own chapters and you guys are doing that right now. And so thank you. I mean, the chills, that's just so beautiful. So beautiful. Cynthia, I know you want to add something there. I can see it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is that, um, so now this is twice that I know of that you have taken tragedy and turned it into a triumph. And it's to me, it's interesting to look at you and how you deal with crisis. And the first time is in losing Leah. And, you know, you, you said you didn't want to go back to school, that you didn't know what your purpose was, but instead you found hope in Barack Obama and you found a purpose in having that letter writing committee. Can you share that story? Because that's the first time. And then I would like for you to share the second part where you and your father went on to speak in church at Father's Day. So both of those are instances where you turned serious tragedy into triumph. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to share. So um, while I was in college, it was a time where then-Senator Obama began his campaign for presidency, and I was just so inspired by he and his wife, like their image and their likeness. It just... It touched the the depths of my soul. And I think it was because I was experiencing so much pain and so much brokenness. And I was trying to discover like who I was and how I wanted to show up in the world. And they just gave me a blueprint, you know, their eloquence, their brilliance, but also like their love for one another and this beautiful family uh, that they represented. I just, I saw so much of myself in them, right? And I just had new role models that I wanted to aspire toward. And so um, after he won, the election in 2008, I was like, I've got to find a way to bring him to the University of Michigan. I saw that he spoke at ASU and a couple of other colleges. And I'm like, okay, there's got to be a way to make this happen. And, you know, before I knew it, I was sitting with the president of the university and other leaders of various uh, student-led organizations on campus. And we were putting together a strategy on how we were going to get all of these major student-led organizations to sign uh, this petition to bring him to present to um, the university uh, like management, I guess you could say, or the, the regents of the university. And we are going to present this case to them essentially and showcase all of the different like nonpartisan just support to bring this person to come and speak to our graduating class. Um, and we worked with a couple of different alum that were actually serving in his cabinet and within his staff at the time. And I'll never forget the day that I got the call to go into the President Mary Sue Coleman's office and they told me that he was going to be coming. I could have like fallen out of my chair. I was just overcome <laughs> with emotion and happiness and joy. And I'm like, wow, because so many, it wasn't just me, so many of my collegiate friends were just so inspired and empowered and impacted by that entire time. That was the first time many of us voted as well. So it really did represent a change mm-hmm. in our lives. And so I knew that it meant so much to me, but it meant even more to everyone around me. So I was excited for all of the ways we were going to be able to celebrate uh, this triumph and this great feat. And uh, yeah, I also got the opportunity to serve as the flag bearer for the College of Literature, Science and the Arts. And so I met him and I got a chance to talk to him and tell him, you know, how much I appreciated him and how I was so inspired to be a part 
of this campaign to bring him to college or to bring him to our campus for our commencement. So that was just incredible. Yeah. I, sometimes I forget about that, that like I actually did that <laughs> while I was yeah. there so much and just of, of note, like, you know, my dad, he wasn't able to come to my commencement. He was unfortunately serving a prison sentence at the time. And Leah wasn't there, right? Because she had passed away. So even though that day was filled mm. with a lot of happiness and joy, there were still parts and people that were missing and that, you know, weren't able to partake in the success of that moment. Um, so yeah, but still a great story nonetheless. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, I was going to say it had to have been such an outer body experience. And I feel like a lot of what you went through, you had to be sometimes yeah. taken back and, and, and seeing, oh my gosh, is this really happening to me? Is this really what I'm going through? And, um, you know, I always ask this question and I shouldn't say always, but a lot of times I always want to get down to the, the, you know, someone's grit. Like what makes them just get up every single time? And I mean, we heard it in the beginning, right? I mean, your your life is really what, okay, I'm just going to get up and dust it off. And it's because there's a purpose. And as you said, there's a purpose for you and your father and your family, because your story is so powerful to be able to be like, okay. And so big things are happening to you. I'm sure all the small things you don't even think about sometimes because you're having big, big things happen to your life um, and, and just stepping out of that. So, you know, as you said, I mean, did, did, did your friends and everyone around you know what you were going through or did you internalize that a lot? Or were you someone that lived that out loud at this time when this all was happening? Definitely internalized all of it. Uh, there are some of my friends from college that say they remembered when they would ask me about my family, how I would just like tense up and get really mm. quiet. I didn't have language to really share what I was going through at the time. Also going to a university like Michigan where you're among very elite students that come from phenomenal families and very influential families. And I felt like if I was vulnerable and transparent and talked about what was really going on, that I would be ostracized and that people would no longer like me, right? Because it's like, I don't fit this picture perfect mold that many of us uh, were trying to ascend to, right? And to show others that we were. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't talk about it at all. One thing people did know because Facebook was just starting up at the time was that my sister passed away just because that was something uh, that was being shared on social media. But I remember going back to campus that next semester and many people like they didn't know how to talk about it. So that we did not, there were, you know, certain individuals who were in my close circle of influence, but for the most part, I didn't, I didn't really have the space or the grace to share it with others. And so, yeah, a lot of internalizing, which led to just more trauma, like compounded trauma, like what I have learned about trauma as I've been doing research and on this healing journey and this journey of release. Like, it's not just what happens to you, but it's what happens inside of you as a result mm -hmm. of the things that happen to you, like your body mm -hmm. keeps score. And there were a lot of things that I had to work out physically because of all of the internalized trauma uh, that compounded over the years. So would you say then, Rebecca, that if you could go back and become a freshman or a sophomore, um, you know, because that's after everything happened to you at Michigan, um, would you, is your platform to not internalize it? Would you have been more transparent um, if you could go back? And is that what you advise other kids to do? Absolutely. I absolutely would, because they're really, I mean, like we've said before, 
this is how we help other people overcome the word of our testimony. And when you begin to share your story, you will be surprised at the number of individuals who not only will empathize with you, but will raise their hand and say, wow, me too. It may not be your sister and it may not be your father, but it's someone within your family or your friendship circle. There's somebody in your life that you know that is struggling. And I think in particular, you know, back then it was not as widely talked about and the discourse around it was still a little hush hush. But now, I mean, with the numbers, the way that they are around like one in five uh, Americans are going to be diagnosed with a mental illness in any given year and suicide being the second leading cause of death or the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S., the second cause between uh, for individuals between the age of 10 and 34. And then, you know, substance abuse and overdoses. I mean, we are in the midst of a crisis. In 2021, it was over 140,000 people passed away from overdose. And that's the highest that's ever been recorded. It's up 30% yes. year over year. I mean, it is very, the numbers are yes. just reeling, right? But they showcase yes. that there's obviously something deeper that's going on. I feel like the more we talk about it, that's how we reduce the stigma. That's how we normalize conversations. And that's how we find places and spaces of healing. So we don't have to internalize everything and try to figure it out on our own. We can extend ourselves to other people and be carried by those who are around us while also helping them get through what it is that they may be going through. So there's so much beauty and sharing. And I think that is one of the things that really fuels me to continue onward because it's not easy talking about these things that have happened to me and to be so vulnerable and transparent and just sort of lay it all out there. Right. And people right. are like, Oh, right. you're doing so well. And I'm like, well, it's still, you know, it still impacts me. I am human. Right. right. And I do still right. deal with certain ramifications, right. Of some of the things that I've experienced, but I know that it is impacting others. I recognize the way in which it is, again, showcasing what is possible and that why, that purpose, uh, that triumph from tragedy is what continues to propel me forward because I want to be what I wish I had while I was going through it. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I mean, that that's, you know, you talked about when you were a kid and then people ostracizing you because of your story, because it was in the headlines. It wasn't that you were talking about it. It was being talked about. And then you're in college yeah. and you're, I, I call it stuffing. My kids love this term. I'm like, are you stuffing? You're, you're stuffing your emotions because you're like, I don't want to go through that again. Right. So then you're, you're there, but you're going through all of this stuff. And then as you're getting into your adulthood, you're reconnecting with your father. You're really, you know, um, patching that up and, and really seeing, okay, there's a, purpose for my father and I, there's a purpose for my father. Mm -hmm. Is that what led you to start writing your books? If you can take us through that a little bit. Absolutely. Yes. I've got the uh, first book that I co-authored right here, Millennial Transformations, How the Power of Prayer Manifests Miracles. And really what this is, is it's more of an anthology of, and a collection of stories of 20 different millennial women talking about topics ranging from um, addiction and mental health, but also graduate school and divorce and, you know, um, just different things that have happened to them in their lives and how they they relied on the power of prayer and the beauty of community 
to ultimately get to a place of healing, whatever that looks like for them, but also in sharing their stories and recognizing like, hey, I want other people to know what I've gone through because it will become a blueprint for someone else as they find themselves in the same predicament and situation. We actually penned this masterpiece uh, in the middle of 2020. So while we were going through the pandemic, we wanted to find purpose in the pandemic, right? We'd always talk about wanting to write a book and we're like, let's do it. Now is the time. We've got all this excess time and opportunity. Let's really seize the moment. So we, we wrote the book, put the book together. And then that's when my dad and I, that sort of led us into starting Shark Talk, our podcast, because we were like, oh, well, let's talk about the book. And then anytime my dad and I would get in front of a camera, it was really moving people. Mm-hmm. And they liked to see us together and to hear different things that were on our hearts. And we're like, you know what, we, were, we might be on to something here. Because right. I mean, literally, like, the comments from people and the calls and the text messages, like it was undeniable that there was, it was obviously sparking something really unique and special in those right. who got a chance to tune in. And so we just begin to really build from there, but it was the foundation was sharing our testimony, creating a platform to allow others to share their stories because that's how we connect. And that's how other people find hope, especially in the midst of such harrowing times. Yes, exactly. If you don't mind, because I, I want to know what it felt like that day, but if you wouldn't mind sharing the story of Father's Day and that you, you were invited to speak at the church and with daddy. Yeah. And I just would like for you to share that with everybody. Yeah. So Cynthia, as I mentioned, while we were in the hospital and the Lord was healing the anatomy of both of our hearts, uh, there was a man named Paul who my dad was working with around like some speaking engagements. And so um, Paul actually called while we were in the hospital. My dad handed me the phone and I let him know what was going on and just sort of some of the things that were fresh on our hearts as we had been having some initial conversations. And he's like, great, I would love to get you all to speak together. We were both like, okay, that sounds good. Within a week, Paul calls us back and he's like, hey, I've got an opportunity for um, a Father's Day weekend in Cape May, New Jersey, and you all will be able to share the stage together. We were both like, "Okay, like, let's do it. So we get to Cape May and, you know, I had to really be honest with myself and with all of the listeners because I'm like, hey, guys, I know what it's like to not know where your father is on Father's Day. There were many of Father's Days that I didn't even talk to my dad. I didn't know if he was alive or not. And that really had a detrimental impact on the way I viewed the father's love as in God, right? Our heavenly father, because I had such a volatile um, and just complicated relationship with my earthly father. And so being vulnerable again, being transparent, I was kind of going there expecting just being my dad's shadow. Like, okay, they want to hear from him. They had a big blown up poster of him. And it was all about Louis Sharp, all, you know, all pro player coming to speak on Father's Day. But really when I spoke and when I just shared from the chambers of my heart, my dad always says like, you got the standing ovation, right? (laughs) Because people really connected to what I had to say. And then afterwards, we go into the vestibule. We did three services that weekend, literally a line all the way around the church. I'm thinking people are coming to talk to him and, you know, get their card signed. They wanted to talk to both of us, but they really wanted to talk to me because they were like, again, that me too. Like, I have a daughter. I have a sister. I have a friend. Like, just that connection piece of I've experienced 
mental illness and addiction and loss and imprisonment and you standing up there sharing so boldly, but also giving us hope was just such a powerful exchange. I was not anticipating or expecting that, but that was definitely one of those moments where I realized like we've got something special here and we right. we would do such a disservice to this generation if we did not lean into it and find more opportunities and channels to share our story so that we can invoke healing and inspire hope for others. Oh my gosh. And you know, I, I have to say, Cynthia, this, which is making me like laugh inside, not laugh, but like just beam inside is, you know, after the show, um, Rebecca, we always, Cynthia will go through and we'll, we'll pick out like, you know, beautiful quotes and, and beautiful videos. And that's what we share on social media as the episode goes out on all the podcast players. And I'm thinking, I don't know if we're going to be able to pick one. We might have to have a hundred. Yeah. I mean, I you're, you are yeah. so, you. I mean, you really are. And I have to know, what did you study? And you might have said this, so I'm sorry, but in the University of Michigan, what was your major? Was it writing? Or? It was communication. communication. It was communication. Yeah, I was going to say. You have a talent. I mean, you really do. Thank you. Yeah. And, and it really, thank you. I appreciate that. But it really is natural. Like, I've not done any formalized training or anything. And we can kind of talk a little bit about how things really took shape with Hall of Fame Health. But this was my dad's mm. retirement plan. Like, he was a sports anchor. I don't know if you remember this, Cynthia. He did it in the off season, and everybody was mm -hmm. always just stopped. I mean, he's also bilingual, right? And so it's like, wow, he has all these mm -hmm. great and powerful communication techniques and tools. And that was his plan when he retired, was to go into media. And I remember going to the station when we were younger and being inspired as a young girl, like, wow, this is so amazing, like in front of the camera and to see all the behind the mm -hmm. scenes. And so this was a dream of my heart to, to do. But again, I was so traumatized and triggered by the time I was in college. I was just like, I've got to just finish. I need to complete this degree <laughs> and move on with my life so that I can, you know, be a contributing member of society. So it's been such a blessing for me to be able to really step into more of the fullness of who I am and to like own this gift that I've been given and to also recognize like it came from my father. And so oh, when we talk beautiful. about legacy and being able to, yeah, further legacy, like it's not just on the field, right? But there's a way that I can impact beyond the field and continue to walk in the shadow, not even the shadow, but to just build on the foundation that he created um, and, and, and do and complete the things that he was not able to because of the decisions that he made in his life. So it's, it really is so full circle. And I feel honored and blessed mm -hmm. that I'm actually here to experience it. Right. It's wonderful. Yeah, and I feel like you're pulling daddy like out of his own shadow too. You're mm -hmm. bringing him to the spotlight, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because, you know, just by him participating in some of your, you know, Facebook live shows and that seeing that the people were embracing your relationship and, you know, embracing your conversations and that they were so real. Like, this is so interesting to me that you guys have your show and you have these conversations and yes, you're sharing your story, but now you're also sharing other stories and you're encouraging people to open up and giving them that platform to do so. So it's, it's not, it's just beginning. It really is. It's just beginning. And you keep feeding off of each other because with daddy being approached to be an ambassador for hall of fame health or to be, you know, involved with what's going on with the former NFL players, 
it's like, well, have you met my daughter? And do you, have you talked to her and what she's doing? So talk about your introduction to Hall of Fame Health and, and what you're doing now and what your goal is to do in the future with them. So it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. And so we, um, he shared his testimony here locally in Detroit and the woman who is in charge of this chapter of the former players association. Uh, she was part of the initial group that was putting together the hall of fame health initiative. And so she reached out to my dad, like, Hey, we'd love to have you as an ambassador. We know your story. We think that you could really do some great things with this work. And he's like, Oh, wonderful. He's like, but have you talked? Or he was like, I would like for you to talk to my daughter because she too shares this passion. <laughs> Excuse me. And I just think that she'd really be able to add a lot to the initiative. Um, and at the time, the lady was like, oh, you know, that's great. But we're really not looking to include families just yet. We want to focus mainly on the players. And my dad's like, OK, I understand that. But I think that you should just talk to my daughter. And so we had a couple of email exchanges. We finally had a conversation. And after I just sort of poured my heart out, she was like, OK, we've got to figure out a way to get you involved with this initiative and to also begin mm -hmm. to expand the offering because it does impact the family. Like the players are not in a silo. They are part of a greater family fold. And, and when they make decisions for their lives, it, it touches and reaches everybody that is within their circle of influence. And so I always say like, I was the first player and family advocate, but it's beautiful to see how it's been extended and expanded mm -hmm. because the families really, we need each other. And Cynthia, I honor you for the work that you have done, even with Thread and with Pivot, because you are really connecting the families and you're showing us that we have community and we have a network and that other people understand what it is that we have gone through. Uh, and so with Hall of Fame mm -hmm. Health, um, they came to Detroit and I was part of the planning committee for their fundraising event here. And I just sort of threw, you know, my head over the wall. And I'm like, hey, I'm really trying to move into this public speaking realm. I would love to serve. I obviously have uh, an abundant passion around these topics because our mission is to reduce stigma, raise awareness and transform culture around mental health behavioral health and substance abuse. And they're like, okay, well, you know, you can facilitate the player panel. I'm like, perfect. That's great. Then the week of, they're like, hey, can you also do the red carpet interviews? And I'm like, great, sure. I've never done a red carpet before, right. but absolutely. I'll sit, I'll rise to you. Um, <laughs> right, right. The, things went so well with the player panel. I mean, it was literally just Every, I mean, I kind of even surprised myself, to be honest with you. I'm like, I knew that I, I was going to sort of unleash greatness, right. right? But it was like, wow, that was really powerful. That was impactful. And everybody felt yes. it. Like, and I say this so humbly. Everybody came up to me afterwards like, girl, wow. And what are you doing? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, even the players who talk to people all the time, right? Um, so that was like definitely a triumphant moment. I was so grateful to share it with many members of my family. And from that one event, Hall of Fame Health was like, we want you to come to every city. So I've been to Dallas with them and Denver. And we're working on an event for next year in Nashville. Cynthia, I know you talked about uh, your event that you're going to partner with us on for Pittsburgh. So I'm hoping to get there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just been, it's been a beautiful partnership. It's been that's your stomping grounds too yeah. to go back to Pittsburgh. So this is going to be so great Absolutely. because 
Hall of Fame Health, and I'll be um, co-hosting with Tasha and, you know, with Latasha Batch, and we're going to be doing it with Off the Field because they're partnered with Off the Field. And so I think that they really did embrace that. And you might have started that because they were like, this will be an excellent yeah. partnership and it has been a great partnership. So yeah, I'll see yeah. you and I'll see, yeah. well, definitely we'll do the panel and I'll definitely see you in Pittsburgh in the spring because that'll be, Absolutely. that's going to happen. So excited. Yeah. And it's, I mean, just, and, and, it's so uh, amazing too. Well, I was going to say, you could just see how excited you get. You can see, and you know, you could see the passion and the excitement. And every time, you know, you speak and, and you can see the love that you have and that you want to share. But I think, you know, every time I want to say something, this word just keeps coming to my mind and it's forgiveness and that you can get to a place. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. If you open your heart and open your mind and know that there, there's something bigger out there, not, it's not about you. It's something bigger that the fact that you and your dad came together so beautifully. And I know it has to mean so much to him as well that, you know, he knows that he made mistakes. We all make mistakes, right? We all make mistakes. No one is perfect, but that he was able to, you know, you guys were able to heal and that you forgave. And now you're on this bigger platform where you're going to show other people. If I went through all this and I'm here, so can you, if my dad went through what he went through and he is here, he can show you. And this is what we need more in the world. We need these stories, these stories to connect us, these stories for people to relate and say, you know what, let me look, let me look in the, in the mirror at myself and see where I can, can heal someone else. So thank you so much for doing all that you're doing. And the fact that you're now doing it and giving back to even the NFL community with hall of fame health, I think is just so beautiful. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful too, because what you're also doing is, um, like really who cares about public's perception of us, you know, but what you're really doing is offering to anybody that has had something happen in their life, become proud that they went through that, mm-hmm. it proud of that part of their legacy, you know? So, you know, you look at mommy and you look at daddy and you look at Leah and you look at your family, you know, you look at daddy's family and all of a sudden you're proud of everything that you went through together because of the forgiveness and because of the growth and because of the triumph and because of what you're doing now. And I always feel that that way, it doesn't matter what you did. It just matters what you do from that point on. And everybody loves that. And I think that the most important is that we love who we are, even with all the things that happened to us, you know, that we can't always control. So I'm really proud of you and your entire family. And it's just because I know, and I know your family from first day of heading to Arizona, because, you know, daddy was a St. Louis Cardinal. He was a Phoenix Cardinal and an Arizona Cardinal. I wonder how many (laughs) players were that many because of the three times. And, um, you know, my, uh, my father-in-law is here visiting right now. And we were talking about daddy. He remembered everything because if you needed an interview, it was Louis Sharp. You know, you, he was the face of our, our team because he was so eloquent in speaking. He was so smart. He was so charismatic. He was such a team person and a loving person. And, and same thing with Kathy. She was one of the first people to ever walk up to me young and pregnant and embrace me. And we had so many laughs together and so much fun. And, and I just, um, loved being a part of your family. And I love seeing where your family is now. And a lot of that, honey, is because of, because of you and because of your heart. So God bless you. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I really appreciate those sentiments. And I receive them. And I just, I feel so honored and so grateful to have taken with the enemy meant for evil to not only see it be used for my good, but also the saving and helping and inspiring of many other lives. And that truly is yes. my mission. That is my purpose. And that is what I am so grateful for the opportunity to do now and hopeful that I'll be able to do this work for the rest of my life. I was just say you are just getting started, my friend. And I know that you, you are. <laughs> I know that we are, we are coming to the end of the show, but you are just getting started. I mean, I, wow. And Cynthia said, you're going to be wowed. Really? I mean, you are just getting started. You and your dad are just getting started and the stories yes. and the connections that you're going to be making and the people that you're going to be helping just makes me so happy. So I'm yeah. so happy that you and so honored that you joined Cynthia and I here on YNS live with NFL thread here live on fireside and everyone go follow. I mean, Sharp Talk, go follow uh, Rebecca. You could see here it, her Instagram and you can also go and, 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 and follow what these guys are doing. And, you know, thank you, uh, Louie, for being in, in the audience and everyone. And yeah, Cynthia, do you want to oh, I have to say wrap this up? Um, yeah. Well, it, this is kind of fun, but um, such a great um, product. Bohemian popcorn. I came across them last year at the Super Bowl. Remember, Juliet? We had yeah. them in the bags, and Tony did that video where he was yes. inhaling them. <laughs> so, so they are so they approached me this weekend. They're, they're so they'll be sending Rebecca and Luis this bags of awesome Bohemian flavored popcorn. There's like burnt butter mm-hmm. and. Um, Oh my God, it's so good. I, I I literally had like so many bags of them. So that's part of your like little special. Thank you, Treat, for being on. And I so I just wanted to, you know, to share that with you and share that for them too, because they were awesome with us last year at the Super Bowl and hope again this year too and sharing their product, Bohemium. It's kind of fun. Yes, wonderful. Well, <laughs> so yes, thank you well, again, we Rebecca. And... Popcorn. Yeah, we look forward to <laughs> Uh, before I go, though, so I did. I mentioned my book, Millennial Transformations. I also have scripture affirmation cards. Affirmations have been so powerful for me, just renewing my mind um, and reminding myself of who I am. And then I've got another um, additive here about my other book, Truth from the Throne. So anybody who follows me and who mentions this interview, I want to send these to you just as goodies, um, as spiritual edifying tools that will help you on your journey as well. So that's what this work is all about, equipping, edifying, and uplifting others. So please reach out to me. I'd love to be able to send that package to you. And I look forward to remaining connected, Cynthia. We talked about some great things that we'd love to do in the future. And I am here to help individuals turn their wounds into wisdom and their visions into victory. So please reach out to me. I'd love to talk about ways that I can assist you and help you on your journey and just for you to be a part of the great things that are happening in my life. Because like Julia said, I received that. Just getting started. Lots more. You are. Just getting started. Yes, right? and also if Absolutely. people want to reach out to you if they want you to speak, if they are having an event or anything like that, you you know, you're right. public speaking, yes. you're an ordained minister. If they're if they're getting married and they're like, let's this powerful woman. <laughs> I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many different things right. that right. you do. Right. Um, Absolutely. Which, yeah, please reach out yeah. to Rebecca. And it, we'll it, have yeah, so everything can, in the show too notes. Yeah, just so you know too, we'll be sharing. On the website. Right. 
Oh yeah. yeah we'll have it all in the show notes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this will go out in a couple of weeks and we'll let you know when it goes out. Yeah. But this was here live on fireside that people can get it there too. Go ahead. Cynthia. Yes. Yeah. Starting today we'll be sharing and everything that we share will lead everybody because I personally, I would love to get that for my son too. Um, you know, just the meditations, just pulling parts that are important. I definitely yeah. want to share that. And the millenniums, I would love to get that for my, you know, all the girls in my life, you know, Aiden and Lindsay and Nicolette. Yeah. I just think that that would be awesome for them. So we'll be sharing and I'll be, yeah. and I'll be receiving them. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you everyone. Thank you. Again, thank, thank you, you for the support people on the opportunity. Yes. No, wonderful. And I know we'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be seeing each other. So this is, this is not it. This is just getting started. Absolutely. So uh, guys, yeah, exactly. if you're on LinkedIn, Yes. If you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, wherever you are watching this live, goodbye, goodbye. And please go follow Rebecca on Instagram. You can see right here. And I'm going to say her name is not spelled like Rebecca, like some of us know. It is a different spelling. So I'm going to spell it right now because (laughs) I am dyslexic and I would never spell it this way. And I love the way you... I mean, I love... It's so beautifully... Oh my God. It's gorgeous. It's R-E-B-E-K-A... And then H and then A as in your middle name, um, right? And then Sharp, S-H-A-R-P-E. That is the Instagram. So if you guys are also, if you're driving, please don't write, you know, do that. Just go and come back here and you'll be able to see it. You can get this on Fireside. This will be going out on the Fireside streams right now. And Rebecca, I know that you have to go and get to your other call. So please, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, we are you two minutes. So we're gonna oh and we got some good muses taking us out, but thank you guys again for joining us live. Yes, good luck with everything. Live here on Fireside. Bye everyone. Thanks, babe.